0: Hey, this is Rabbi Zev Bandit, and you listening to the daily Halakha, Kabbalah, and Machshava podcast series. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you're enjoying this, check us out at yesodblocks.com. You can subscribe there for only 9 dollars and get access to all kinds of content. All the frameworks that we're constantly referencing, discussing, developing in this series are all there in much more expanded form. And we're adding new content all the time, so join us over there and support what we're trying to create. And help us to spread this Torah into the world. In this episode, we're continuing with understanding the particular language of the birchas torah. There's three different brachos, and the Shulchan Aruch that we're reading right now is Siman Mem Zayin, section forty-seven, or up to Halacha He, And in Halacha He, he starts to lay out the uh, the text, the language of the brachos themselves. So in the previous episode, we explained uh, the first bracha, essentially uh, trying to sort of unpack exactly what the nature of the extra language, the and then the last with Torah. We essentially spelled that out and worked through that language. And now we're up to the second bracha, which is what he quotes next in this halacha. Again, Halacha Hey, that's uh, the fifth halacha number five in uh, section forty seven. And that bracha is the bracha Veha'arevna. In Veha'arevna, the text reads Veha'arevna Hashem Elokeinu Estive Befinu literally means Hashem, uh, it says, Please make this sweet for us, Hashem, yud elokim, um the words of your Torah in our mouths, Uvefi and in the mouths of your nation, the the house of Israel. Anachnu and which should be that we and our descendants and the descendants of our descendants, all the descendants uh, of your house of Israel, of uh, the nation, of your nation, the House of Israel. Kulanu we should all know your name. Vilom De we should learn your Torah uh, for its own intrinsic value, as opposed to for some external motivating reason. And then it ends off with the catchphrase Baruchat Hashem, which we already discussed, and we're going to explain again just sort of how it triggers here. Torah Israel, that you teach Torah to your people Israel. So we have to just work through what exactly this, the, the idea of this bracha is and why it's here. Uh, and how to sort of use it. What kinds of thoughts are we supposed to be triggering and then cascading inside of our minds as we say these words? Well, the, 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 the starting point here is that this second bracha starts with a vav, and the vav is arevna. it's an and. The word vav is a connecting word, it means, uh, the letter vav, rather, is a connecting letter, and it's, uh, it literally means a hook because the vav concept is about connection, it's about bridging, about hooking two things together and attaching them. And this bracha actually comes off of the previous bracha, and the previous bracha was, as we articulated in the previous episode, was about us recognizing that when we engage in Torah, what we're actually doing is we are uh, accessing the thoughts that Hashem thinks, and the thoughts that Hashem would think if he was... A character in the story, and since we ourselves are aspects of Hashem's self, we are partial conscious fragments of Hashem's total consciousness. We are, uh, we are a neshama that is an aspect of the nishmasa de nishmasin, the soul of souls. We are, we are some of the one. So we are. Each of us is kind of like this aspect. And again, it doesn't literally mean that you can break Hashem into parts, because there's no such thing as breaking that which is endless and intangible into parts. So it's kind of like, uh, there's no quantitative way to describe this, but there is a qualitative language we can use, just like when you manifest as a particular aspect of yourself. Like as an example, um, you are you, but you are also a son. You're the son or daughter of your parents. So what that means is that you are you are now when you when you think of yourself in that form as a son or daughter as a child of your parents so that's sort of like a it's a particular aspect of your total self that you really are so you can you can be a child even though you are still you you can act and behave or see yourself as that smaller version. We're not actually breaking you into a part where there's the regular you and there's another part of you, which is the child you. Instead, it's sort of an aspect of your larger self. It's like a role that we each each have many roles that we play and each role acts as sort of like a sub-self of the total self. And that's a qualitative statement. It's not something which is quantifiable in any way. We can't break you apart and identify the parts of you that are the child parts. But the idea here is that you still have these aspects that are intangible and qualitative. And that's what we're saying here. You are an intangible, qualitative aspect of Hashem's self. And you experience that when you do mitzvot, because mitzvot are essentially the groupifying behaviors that allow you to behave as if you are an aspect of Hashem, which is the truth of who you are. You're acting the way that Hashem would act. You're feeling the way that Hashem would feel. You're thinking the thoughts that Hashem would think if He was here um, in the way that you are. And by doing so, you're actually becoming an aspect of Hashem that is now actually here thinking Hashem thoughts and doing Hashem things in the world the way that Hashem would do, because you are now essentially plugging yourself into that. And so this second bracha is now saying, okay, fine, we get, we got that, we understand the framework that we're in, that that's what Torah is, and we're connecting our perception of what Torah is to its source, which is the point of the brachos, to see that Torah comes from Hashem, and to not just learn it in isolation, uh, as if it's just another field, as we saw in the beginning of Hilchos Berachos Torah, that we're trying to avoid looking at Torah at in a shallow way, and instead to remember this is, this is something which comes from Hashem, and it's something which is Hashem's self, now packaged inside the world. But the next bracha is is a tack-on, it's a tag-along bracha, essentially, or a tacking-on bracha that is now saying, okay, given that, but now we want to actually uh, access what that we want to access the 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 enjoyment of that in other words the we want we want to see that deeply and appreciate that for what it is in other words the first phase is this is the truth it's the right thing to do this is what it is this is a mitzvah It is a group groupifying activity it's a bonding experience between us and hashem but the next thing is okay fine given that it's the truth but i want to also love what is this is a difficult thing for us because of das tovara so the Eta das gives us this capacity to have perceptions that are a function of our own preference. And our own preference can really be very wide ranging. I mean, you can prefer all kinds of things that are not particularly good or healthy for you, and that even can violate and contradict what is in reality. So people who are involved in, let's, let's pick very basic things. We, we eat foods that we really enjoy, but that are often not very healthy for our bodies, or also not even real foods. So there's a, there's a lot of falsehood in that set of perceptions. But we are we develop those perceptions of appreciation for those kinds of of items because we enjoy them. And as we eat them repeatedly, we develop habits in which we perceive these things as food and as desirable, even though they're not actually real food. And so the first stage of dealing with that kind of distorted perspective is to see it for what it is, to actually look at something which you have thought of as food until now, and to realize that it's actually not food. One of my favorite examples for this is just is something like Coca-Cola. It's a, this is a drink, it's, a, it's something which we consume but it's actually not really food. It's filled with all kinds of things uh, that, are, that are not really good for our bodies. They're not necessary for our bodies. And if the definition of food is that which adds uh, and helps us to essentially uh, replenish and regenerate our body's energies, our body's uh, raw materials, so Coca-Cola would not fit that bill. That's true for about many, many products that are in the store that are that are masquerading as food and that our Das Tovara lenses tell us they are food, but in reality, they're really largely not food. And they are all kinds of other things that are not particularly helpful for the regeneration, replenishment of our body's mass and energy requirements. And so when you start off first looking at that, looking at those things, the first thing to do is to say this is the the truth of these things, this is not really food. There are certain things in here that are food, certain things that aren't food. Uh, certain ingredients within these these items that are food, certain ingredients that aren't food, and to try to to split that apart and to to start to see food, uh, for to start to, to think of food at least on a basic level as what it is in in a much truth much more truth oriented type of way, but that's not going to then necessarily translate into you appreciating real food versus enjoying. Uh, False food that you might have enjoyed until now, because it's one thing to know that something is true, but that's something which only operates in the world of your machshava, the world of your thought. But if you don't actually develop the perception that something which is not food, that you is is actually not food. In other words, you perceive something like let's let's pick a random example. Um, let's say Oreo cookies. Oreo cookies are filled with all kinds of things that you would ne- if you were making your own cookies, you would never put these ingredients in your cookies. So they're filled with preservatives, all kinds of other things that are designed to make them uh, uh, fit whatever the requirements are of the business that are not only to provide you with something which you can eat and replenish your body. There are many other things the company is trying to achieve in creating those cookies. And so the the perception that you might have of them is that they are cookies, in fact, and you might then learn that they are not and say, these are actually not really food, but your perception might not change, even if your thoughts do, even if you can articulate uh, mentally, this is not a food, your perception might not shift from a das-tovara perception to a das-emes and Checker perception, to a perception of this in, in the context of what it truly is, in which case you'll have a very hard time letting go of eating these things because you will still fundamentally see them as food, even if you know that they are not food on a rational, uh, intellectual thought world level. And so that's what we're talking about with this bracha. This bracha is, We are asking Hashem to make this arev. The word arev is usually translated as sweet, um, but the word arev comes from the word eruv and erev, and which basically means to mix. The arev is the time of day where the day starts to meld with the night and so you have this this it's neither here nor there it's sort of light but dark and there's a seamless mixing of those things and so and the word eruv also means to mix together to mix things together so let our is also means to make to create mixtures and so vaharev means essentially it sounds like it's, it's let let us let us fuse with Torah. Let us like. Let us find Torah to be sweet. The reason why it's translated as sweet is because nobody has to explain to a person, a uh, child who's eating something, if it's sweet that they should they should keep eating it that they should want it because we meld with that which is sweet. We we, we fuse with it. We like things that are sweet. We we automatically have an affinity for them because of the way that our that our uh, instincts and our body actually work. And so we're asking that Hashem should make that same type of instinctive melding take place with Torah. Because even if you might know that Torah is true, and even if you might know that Torah comes from Hashem, so, but you might not experience that if your perception is not that way. And that's what this bracha is about. It's basically saying, Hashem, help us to develop an, a, a, a deepest level of awareness of Torah on the perceptual level that it now becomes something that we are able to meld with. So, and we're, we're, we're asking that as a request. Um, that you should, you should make this sweet, that it should be naturally, we should have a natural affinity for it in our mouths. And in our mouths is because we're supposed to be speaking these words. In other words, to talk about our and You'll notice that, you know, the things that you talk about generally are a reflection of that which you are interested in. And so, when you have a lot to say about something, it's because you care about it. So, if you care a lot about, um, you know, I don't know, uh, whatever TV shows are particularly hot at a certain time, or whatever particular sports teams, or whatever particular things going on at work, or particular complaints that you have, you can really get a sense of where your where your mind is and what you really perceive as significant to you and as attached to your more core aspect of yourself. And what we're asking for here is that we should be able to find Torah to be sweet in our mouths in the sense that you can enjoy talking about it because it's something which is fused with you. Just like if you really like uh, the, the show The Office so you can talk about it for a long time with friends and analyze it or whatever, that means that it's sweet in your mouth because it's something which you are passionate about. You enjoy the taste of those words in your mouth. The idea here is also with Torah is to experience that. Now, that's really what Yisod blocks is about, by the way. This entire series and, and, and yisodblox.com is really about trying to uh, illustrate that Torah is not only as fun to talk about as something like The Office or whatever other things you're into talking about, but it's actually much more fun because it even includes within it all those things. I mean, if we did, just to, to sort of focus on that example of The Office for a second, it's a TV show that many people love. It's a very kind of offbeat and very funny and just an interesting type of show. And so you can actually uh, integrate that into the Torah framework because all because the office and all TV shows are really just uh, human constructions that are a function of human creativity. In other words, souls, neshamos, that are manifest in the world through bodies are able to harness their own creativity to create stories and th- that are reflective of natural dynamics that people experience with each other all the time, which is what all TV shows are trying to do. They're trying to mimic the dynamics between people so that we can actually encounter stories that allow us to self reflect on our own personal stories, and analyze them and and try to raise our our experience of our own personal stories to higher and higher heights. That's what that's what the point of these types of things actually is. Unfortunately, often these types of stories get very lost in their own distortions because of the das tobara dynamics, people have uh, perceptions based on preference. And then the kinds of things that these types of stories of TV shows and movies can articulate, are often a function of those distortions, which then bring people instead, it definitely still illustrates to people uh, stories and narratives and ideas that they can now use to reflect on their own lives. But unfortunately, very often the narratives and stories that are portrayed are themselves distorting, in which case when people use them to reflect, they then distort their own stories even further. That's the downside of these things. But there is a, there is plenty of upside as well. And you can, if you have the Torah as your larger framework, then you can actually think about all these things in the context of Torah. And to actually take a particular story that you encounter on a show like The Office and see it clearly for what it is and understand to what degree it is actually reflecting a story in the Chumash and to actually get insight into your own self and into the Chumash and into the story uh, that we are all living, which is essentially why this could have been a useful medium, the medium of television and acting and all these things. Um, And so there's much more to say about that, but the idea here is that all that is, is based on People's passion, and if we can develop passion for the Torah the way that it's supposed to be, so then you can actually integrate all things in life into the Torah properly, where each thing belongs. Figure out which things are true, which things are pure, which things are false, which things are damaging, and that's what the idea here is of this bracha: is that we're trying to make the Torah that sweet that I can that we can access it at that level, and so. As we keep going through the, the language here, um, that all of us, our entire people, should feel this way because that way we also have—it's like you know, like a giant group of people. Again, we're still working with the analogy of the office. So you know, if you're with a group of friends, everybody likes the same show. So then, of course, you can all feed off each other and build higher perspectives and understandings. That's true exactly with the Torah. If you have a, you have a like-minded group of people that everybody knows the Torah in this very deep way, with all of its extensions and extended perspectives, and, and all the different the expressions in halacha as well, as well as in thought and emotion. I mean, that kind of group can build and feed off each other in incredible ways. That's what we're asking for here. <laughs> to say Am that we and also all of our descendants um, should all be part of this group. And it's like this this long story of all of us, and that actually is pointing towards the direction of Olam Chaba, which is the the a, as we accumulate through the generations, then eventually there's going to be this this um, massive shift called Olam Chaba, where everybody who has died will be resurrected uh, and come back to life and be part of this Torah experience in a full way. So we're asking for that whole thing to be kind of uh, um, part of the story here. I'm not going to go into that too much in depth right now because it's going to take us way, way off the path. But that's where this is referencing that all of our descendants should also be part of this same uh, immersive experience with Torah. And then Kulanu, all of us, Yodei Shemecha, will all know your name. And learn Torah for its own sake. So that's exactly the overarching theme here. Knowing Hashem's name means knowing who Hashem is. The, the concept of a shame, which is the word name, so shame is a, is a is a locator. It's like a it's a it's a localizing device that we can get a handle on somebody. If I know your name, it's like you're endless. You're absolutely intangible, indefinable. So there's no way. To really you know refer to you because you're so vast all of us each of us is so vast that there's no way to actually reference something someone who's like that so we have names and names basically act as markers they're pointers that point us towards you and we also can use other types of names like labels and say you know you're a friend of mine you're a teacher you're a parent you're a child you're an accountant and these allow us to try to localize uh, our, our experience of somebody else in some way so that we're not bowled over by the immense uh, endlessness of each self. because we're, So we kind of use them almost like as heuristics to simplify our interaction with each other and how we think about each other because we're all so vast that if we constantly thought about the totality of each of us, we would never be able to get anywhere. So it's also true with Hashem. We want, we want everyone to know Hashem's name. Well, what that means is is to sort of know who Hashem is relative to us uh, which is the point of Torah, like we've been saying, the Torah is supposed to be the map of existence and the map of the relationship between us and Hashem. Which is really that—that that is the, the same thing. In other words, existence refers to the created space that we call the the the, the olamot, the worlds, the, world, the the layers of existence within which we live, and that as well as the the source of them, which is Hashem, and the interrelationship between Hashem and all the layers of existence within which we dwell, and so that's the totality that that's what's called this shame we know we know existence we know Hashem's role in existence we know where we are we you can think of yourself as as a thought inside of Hashem's mind and Hashem is thinking of us and that's why we exist. And so that that, that's, that just gives you, you know, if, I, if you imagine a person inside of your mind, then, and, and then you imagine two people having a conversation, and one says to the other, hey, uh, where is, you know, let's say in my case, I'm Zev. So I'm imagining uh, two people in my mind, and they're like, hey, where's Zev? Do you believe in Zev? And it's like, well, the whole framework, everything that they're made of is the fabric of my thought. So like that's, you have to kind of know where to look for the source of your own existence, uh, and the Torah is the map of all of that. So that's why we're saying that the result of learning Torah in this way is that we're all Yod-Ei Shemecha, we all know Hashem's name because we all know who Hashem is, and as opposed to just learning halacha in a very shallow way, or learning random Dvar Torahs in the Parsha, we're trying to actually understand there is a system, a framework of meaning and of ideas and, and mapping of existence here that is at work, and you can understand all of it. Uh, and then, that's the that's the automatic outcome as well, that when you, when you learn Torah this way, you learn it because you want to understand. It's kind of like if you're, studying to be a doctor, you can't just learn to pass the classes. You have to learn to understand. You have to understand the inner workings of biology and of physiology and chemistry and chemical interactions in the body. You have to understand them to actually achieve the goal of healing somebody. And so you you understand you you learn it for its own sake. You learn it to understand it according to itself. So you can actually master it. That's what Lomdei Torah Sechel Ishma means. Learning Torah for its own sake, so you can actually understand existence, not just so you can say, "Oh, I learned Torah today because now now I now I did a good thing. I get brownie points for doing a mitzvah," which again is not the worst thing in the world uh, to do it that way. But that's not what we're going for here. And then it ends off shem, Hashem, Lomdei Torah Lamo Yisrael. Uh, that, that power phrase, again, that, let, let there be more presence of Hashem, you, inside of our minds, inside of our awareness. And who are you? You are the one who teaches Torah to his nation, Israel. And this really is um, a much longer discussion as well. But the short story of this is, you know, this is kind of a weird thing to end with, right? Because until now, we've been talking about how we're learning Torah. We want to learn it for the right reasons. But here it says Hashem teaches us Torah. And what that means is that there's something about existence that actually itself lends itself to us learning it. In other words, Hashem is constantly broadcasting to us dynamics in existence that we are picking up on. So you can think of it, this is a reference to the natural tendency that human beings have to note patterns in existence and then to start to be intrigued by them and to seek out where they lead so they can get to a deeper understanding of what's underneath each and every single detail and pattern that they encounter. And that's what this is a reference to, that Hashem designed existence in such a way that it is intriguing, that it pulls us in. So we want to develop and understand more deeply. And so this paragraph is really ultimately about curiosity because all of us want to understand. Just das tovara gets in the way and we start to to develop preferential perceptions in terms of what it is that we want to understand and, and which areas we want to focus on in understanding. You know, every human being has curiosity. Every human being wants to understand everything. But as we grow, we, de- we, we end up developing certain preferences based on environmental pressures, particular dynamics we've had in school, whatever kinds of friendships we've had, our relationship with our parents, our relationship with our own minds, our own bodies. And that can then kind of hamper our ability to be curious in a full way and understand, and try to learn the totality of being. Because we just, we just want to focus on the things that make us feel more comfortable in ourselves that we kind of grew into as we developed in the Das Tobara space, growing up. And this is really talking about how Hashem is constantly trying to teach us Torah, and teaching us is the dynamic of our own curiosity and a world that matches it, a world with patterns that we can actually explore and understand. And the word Torah here, as it always means, it refers to the guide, uh, the the map of all existence. And so what's happening is Hashem is basically saying the natural state of people is to be curious, and we're asking Hashem to connect our awareness of our own curiosity to Hashem and to help us to actually re-access our own natural inborn curiosity to understand the patterns of existence uh, for all things, as opposed to just, which is, which is what's included in Torah, Torah is all things, as opposed to just our, our curiosity that we've developed over time and said, well, I'm not good at this or at that, so I can only be curious about certain things. And that's the saddest thing about schools, that unfortunately, because of the way that school is structured often, it contributes dramatically to a reduction in natural curiosity towards the larger world because it substitutes deep, true understandings of existence with curricula that are simply uh, uh, things that have to be gotten through in order to pass grades. And there's a lot more to say about that. I'm not saying school is inherently bad. But you know, again, das Tovarah Certain things within school are false. Certain things in schools are true. And actually, navigating that is something which is is not simple and requires careful thought and understanding. Which again, when you have the Torah to, to guide you, it's very doable. When you don't, then you just end up getting swept up in whatever forces of perceptual popularity are in are in the wind at that time, and that can really get in the way of achieving that. So that's basically this second bracha hope that was clarifying. And it's a bracha that you can use when you when you start your day to actually connect your Torah learning to Hashem, both as a basic mitzvah, like the first bracha said, and then as your natural tendency, and in fact, your birthright uh, to actually access the wisdom that we all are seeking and understanding the world in its totality. Uh, that's, the, that's the kind of, of energizing thought cascades you're supposed to be accessing with this bracha. Hope that was clear. Thanks so much for tuning in and looking forward to having you join me for the next episode.